You're listening to Veeam Partner Perspectives with Eric Doherty. Welcome to the Veeam Partner Perspectives podcast. I'm Eric Doherty. My guests today are two people you may be familiar with if you spend any time watching or reading Veeam content online. Jason Buffington, our VP of Market Strategy, and Dave Russell, our VP of Enterprise Strategy. Welcome to the show, gents. Uh, can you share a little bit about your background and what your current role is? Uh, thanks for having us. Uh, so, hi, my name is Jason. Um, I have uh, been in the data protection industry for about 32 years. I actually started as a channel partner. I was a channel SE, and then I was in, doing channel na- enablement for a while. So, uh, love getting a chance to actually talk about partners. Uh, for most of the time, I've been in the back of space. I've been in the vendor community. I was an analyst um, for seven years, uh, trying to be more like Dave Russell when I grow up. <laughs> and uh, then about five years ago, I decided I want to be a vendor again, and uh, Veeam found a spot for me. So it's been fun to be here. Awesome. Yeah, I'm not too dissimilar. Hi, this is Dave. Um, I guess, depending on how you count, part-time in backup since uh, 89, 1989, that is, full-time in backup uh, July 5th. 1990s when I started at IBM. IBM for 15 plus years, Gartner for 13 years, here for uh, coming up on five years at Veeam. Never figured out what I was going to do when I grow up, but I still got a few few years left to figure it out. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah, I know. It's kind of funny when you get to that second half of your career trying to think of what it is. Do you, know, do you want to keep doing what you're doing? Do you want to keep looking? But I'll be honest, and just from what you said, and I find the same thing, what I'm doing now has, you know, while we've kind of stayed in the same, you know, constraints, confines of the industry, nothing like what we were doing at the beginning of those careers. Um, Yeah, but think about, I mean, 30 plus years in backup, you know, there's nothing that looks the same as it did other than God bless tape. Other than that, yes, (laughs) nothing else really looks the same, except people still rely on their data. Yes. Right. Everything else in IT changes, but you still rely on your data, which means you still got to make copies of it. And I have had a career and put three kids through college and a house over my head because people still need to make copies of their stuff. Yep. Yeah. I want to pile on what Jason said really quickly because best practices remain best practices. Yeah. The infrastructure can change. It could be in a cloud, it could be a data center, what have you. But, you know, the three, two, one rule, you know, I mean, just think about so many examples. Never go out of vogue. And as we're going to see when we dig into the data, a lot of the challenges we could have sat around, you know, at a Starbucks a decade ago, two decades ago, and it wouldn't have been radically different. It's the truth. It's it's kind of funny. I think in a lot of ways, the yeah, like you said, the 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 needs have been there, but the methods have evolved. Um, it used to be so much stuff when you talked about tape. It was like, oh, what's your choice, real, real, or all? All of a sudden, what's this new dat? You know? <laughs> <laughs> Very exciting. Well, you know, and, and, you know, spoiler alert on some of the things we're going to talk about here, a big part of why backup never gets fixed is because the landscape of what you're trying to protect keeps changing, right? I mean, if we just still standardized on, now in my world, it was, you know, Windows Server, um, you know, two U's and racks and racks and racks of them handing back to, to SAN. Mm-hmm. Maybe in Dave's world, it was more like a mainframe. But either way, you know, if we had just stayed with that one technology and never evolved production, backup would be solved. There wouldn't be a thing to do. <laughs> That's true. Um, but yeah. the production keeps changing and, and the expectations keep rising. Yes. And that's why backup continues to evolve. Very true. Well, and, and that's even before you get into cyber, which suddenly means that yes. it's not just I have to restore a file, a file. I have to restore 100% of production and I might even need to do it again in three or four months. 
<laughs> yeah, that's that's a different thing. And it's kind of funny. And it's something I think about all the time. And we'll talk about this, obviously, too, is the whole ransomware is a disaster concept. And for years, we've been talking about people with disasters like, you know, what if a tree falls across your data center? What if there's a flood? What if there's a fire? What if what if the local power station gets you know knocked offline? You know, and it was like, yeah, hey, okay. And I think that that made the urgency to come up with solutions lower. And now it's fine. Like, what if we have something that's almost 90% possible that it's going to happen, unlike that flood, fire, you know, yeah. catastrophic event? It's like, yeah, now, Eric, now they really have to think about it. Eric, your postulate was if, if a it, fire happens, if yes. a flood happens, if a tree, yeah. right? This is when you get hit. Yeah. And how often? Yeah. And we'll talk about those numbers because they're um, a very, I won't say alarm, they're, con- they're concerning in that they exist, but it's understandable why they exist given what's going on in, in the world. Um, so I think let's, let's dig into the report. So the data protection report, I think is one of the coolest things that we come out with annually here at Veeam because it really reinforces what we're seeing as we're you know, working with our partners and, and working with our customers throughout the year. But um, how did we get started with that? What was the background and what, what made us start collecting that info and turning it into something tangible to give out to, to the industry? Well, Veeam actually started writing it or, or, or publishing it seven, eight years ago. Um, and, uh, and it was actually one of the original founders that you know just said the analyst community was not providing the depth of data they need. I mean, you can get top line stuff for marketing, but what features matter and what solutions really needed to have better investment in them started several years ago. In fact, um, I was actually at an analyst firm and Veeam paid me to write that report for a couple of years. Uh, uh, back when I was on the other side of the aisle. And then, uh, you know, four and a half years ago ish, they started taking it back in house right about the time that Dave and I came over here. And they, and, uh, <laughs> and they said, hey, let's, let's, let's keep it going. And so the, the report is actually a partnership between Dave and I from the office of CTO and former analysts. And um, our, our, the third uh, leg on the stool is uh, an amazing lady named Julie Webb. Julie is on the marketing side of the house, which pays for some of the budget um, for this. And in between, uh, between what Julie does from curating of data and what Dave and I do from analysis, um, it's a partnership year over year. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, I, like I said, I just think it's powerful and to see the trends and the fact that there's that many years of it out there and the future looking, the forward looking and being able to, like you said, you were talking about earlier, comparing what did yeah. we, what did people say they were going to do versus what they actually did. The fact that we have all this data now to look at it, I think is is gigantic. So when we're collecting, is this from Veeam customers or is it the industry at large or is it? Yeah, it's a good question, Eric. So it, it is truly industry agnostic, and I'll break that down in a couple ways, meaning no one knows that Veeam's asking the question. It's anonymized. We use uh, an agency outside of London in England that goes globally to collect this. So it's 28 countries we go after. Most recent edition, which we keep breaking records for the largest in the history of backup, but now we're at 4,200. And, you know, statistically speaking, Veeam is maybe 7% of that population, but it's, so it's generally uh, cross-cut, right? And by cross-cut, I mean every way you can possibly imagine. Company size, vertical, geography, what's your primary backup solution? And we ask all those questions. We actually ask more questions than we publish. Mm. So Jason and I and Julie and uh, a couple other folks, we can like get nerdy on some things. We know when our competition 
gets unfavorable answers and when we get unfavorable answers, right? And so we we like to do a lot of listening at Beam. I mean, you know, we, we talked about, Jason, I've been in this game a while, but it doesn't mean we have all the answers and it doesn't mean what we think is right is right. Mm-hmm. So we, we the reason that Jason likes to say, you know, you cut a sample size this big so that you can subcut to get very good results in a variety of ways. I mean, you don't have to ask 4,200 people in 28 countries what their thoughts are on this stuff to be statistically valid. Most right. analyst firms have a sample size of less than 300. Wow, I didn't realize it was that low. So this is significantly above what what some of the other industry surveys that people read and and take really to heart that, that have. So that, and I think it's very good point that you made that it's not, we're not out there asking only Veeam customers. No, we're not out there asking only our best customers. No, we're not only asking people who are happy with what they're doing or, or doing the best things. We're asking everybody. Yep. Yeah. So that 4,200, you know, Dave said 300 is the average for most analyst research. We can give you 300 from the UK. We can give you 300 from Australia or China or Japan or Latin America or Canada. I mean, it's a long list. And the reason we do that is because that way we understand what matters in geo, right? So how do the regulations apply? We can give you several hundred on comparing small business versus midsize versus commercial. We can tell you the difference between what financial services is thinking about versus healthcare versus public sector. That's why you make it so big is so you can cut it into all those pieces. Our our unbiased research, blind survey, no control on who it is, is actually larger than the install base of some of our competitors. Yeah, that's true. Every that's single point. one yeah, of the competitors, their, their, entire, their entire ownership um, participate in the survey. We have more data points than that, but without the Kool-Aid and bias. That's, that's amazing. So it's, it's something it, that's pioneering, I think, in, in the industry is to have that. And to have that, and not only, it's kind of funny because not only is it a valuable thing, you know, for us as Veeam partners, sellers and everything, it's something the entire industry should be taking a look at, but it sure absolutely gives us more um, benefit when we're talking to the, um, you know, the, the potential customers sure, and say, oh, Veeam put this together. As long as we can explain what you just said that, yeah, we're not doing this just to turn out a nice shiny marketing doc. This is real research. I think it's like, wow, okay, these guys take this seriously because um, they're not only in there. They're, they want to see the, the, the lumps on their own products, not only right. on the competitors. And I think that's gigantic. And we give it away for free. Right. That's the so, other huge you know, well, yes. we, give it away, we give away most of it for free. There's, right. there, there's some questions on what are we thinking about building later. And and, mm-hmm. uh, and so that's why this is a partnership between uh, um, across Veeam is because this helps affects product strategy. This affects go-to-market strategy. Um, when you cut it by competitor, um, it helps us with some of the go-to-market on uh, compete enablement. Um, as far as, you know, what folks that are using each of the other products, what they think as well. But bottom line is the reason that Veeam does this is because we couldn't get the data any other way. It wasn't yeah. available anywhere else. Yeah. Well, and it just shows you the strength that we have as that marketing and research team to not only do it, but to want it, to see the value in it that uh, maybe not everybody out there is seeing that and just how important that is to 
coming up with your go-to-market strategies. And the nice thing, I think it's kind of cool. And it's funny when you say like, uh, you know, we didn't put all the data in there. It's like, well, somebody has, you have to have something to share in your keynotes. You guys do a lot of public speaking <laughs> engagements. You got to have something surprise, you know, to surprise people with when you're out in public. Well, that's a great point. You know, because I did a couple of Latin America events, our first ever uh, VMON forum in Bogota, Colombia, did Mexico City. I could literally get on stage and say, here are the worldwide numbers, and here's what's going on with ransomware in this region, this exact city, Mexico City, wow. in other words. So, to, you know, to be able to say that, because we all want to know that, you know, are you talking to me, right? Do you get my business? Do you get my geography? And a room of 400 plus people and, and thousands more that they telestreamed to the event live in a hybrid fashion, I could literally say, here is the mix of physical, virtual servers and cloud hosted applications that we see in Mexico. Wow. That's, yeah, that's powerful. That's absolutely powerful when you're in person. I know we've had some of those conversations and um, Jeff Reichert did some, uh, mm -hmm did some for us uh, locally here where I am. And again, it had that power. It was one of those things where there were a few keynotes at this event. And because of the information that he was in the data, I want to say data because data is just numbers, information that he was able to bring. Yep. Um, really just people were talking about his session for the remainder of the conference. It was fantastic. And, and that is that is the power of turning the data into info. Well, and that's one of the reasons I was so excited that you invited us to, to talk today is because our whole passion um, in the research team at Veeam is to equip the greater Veeam community to just have smarter conversations, mm -hmm. to be able to talk about things that you can't talk about any other way because the, the data is not on tap anywhere else. And so, you know, it's one thing to, to, to get good data and we're really proud of it and it's, and we produce some great assets for it, but if no one's able to use it, if it's not in a consumable form, then it's a waste of effort. And so, uh, you know, we did public cuts this last year, which equipped um, uh, fantastic folks like Jeff to go and deliver um, those kinds of keynotes. And and uh, our goal in life is what do we need to do for the partner ecosystem and the broader Veeam community to make this data actionable for them? Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. It, it's And that's, first off, it is a very, for anybody who hasn't downloaded it yet, it is a very easy to consume report. Um, and I won't say it answers questions, but like you said, if you can't come up with a conversation to have with somebody out of reading that report, um, then you're just not trying. Um, there's something yeah. for everybody in it. <laughs> I, I like to think, I mean, obviously, you know, I've got a, a bias, but I really think so. And here's the reason why is that it can generate a conversation where there's no wrong answers, but it enables partners to enter a conversation saying, okay, here's what 4,200 people around the world said stacked rank is the number one reason why they would change backup solutions. And so you can put that up to one of your clients, one of your prospects, and it's totally fair game if someone says on the other side of the table, like, no, that's not the reason I would switch. Well, great, Eric. Let's double click in. What is your reason for switching? Yes. This yeah. is just what the you know global average had to yeah. say, <laughs> but this is a way to engage in a conversation where you know someone says, "Yeah, that fits me to a T," or someone says, "No, I'm a little bit different." Okay, well, now we're having a, a more fruitful conversation to meet their needs. Yeah, or one of the best things I could say in there, I hadn't thought about that aspect yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah. But as, as sellers, it at least gives you the confidence to know where about in the lake to fish. 
right? Mm -hmm. I mean, now you have some ideas of what the likely answers are. And to Dave's point, either they're going to agree and you can move on towards a solution yeah. or they're going to disagree. And now you can understand what really matters and you can move on towards a solution. Yeah. Either way, you're getting down that path. It's just, is there one stop, two stops? What is it? But right. you, yes, ultimately everybody has the same goal now. We, we need to protect this data. And we need to be able to recover it. And, and that's interesting because that's something that I noticed more in the conversation over the past several months was the change of the conversation from just talking about ransomware to talking about recovery mm -hmm. as a topic, as opposed to just ransomware. Not, you know, yes, ransomware is there. Ransomware is the, you know, prolific, ubiquitous reason that people are talking about recovery, but they're talking about recovery because I think they finally, again, that that the ransomware is a disaster, finally clicked that we're talking about one and the same thing. Yep. Um, yep. But how now it's talking about recovery and, you know, aspects of that. What kind of trends did you see in the reports having to do with people talking more about recovery? I thought some of the data in there was interesting myself. So I'm going to offer three R's um, that uh, that's kind of macro the, the report overall. Um, reliability, uh, uh, out there. Um, you've already mentioned ransomware. And because I really wanted the three R mnemonic, I'm going to say real time hybrid clouds. I mean, but, but really almost everything in the report came down to, um, I need it to work better. Uh, one, because I'm relying on it as part of ransomware because ransomware is a win on a diff. And two, because I keep modernizing production and my legacy approach to, mo to protecting a modern workload is not working. And therefore I have a reliability problem. And so, so whether you want reliability reactively or proactively, it's that angst for better um, because I need it um, that seems to be driving the overall macro trend. Okay. Yeah. And that's, it's interesting because, you know, when you talk about those, those reasons for change, uh, first off, I was surprised to see how high the numbers were for people that are intending to change, which means something out there is not meeting the needs. Right extensively. Yeah. And that's yeah. the biggest thing. It's either one of two things. This is what I've always told my partners I'm talking to them. Even, you know, when they're talking to their customers, there's really two big things that are going to, I'll say three big things. One, it's not meeting your needs mm -hmm. or it's costing you more money than you planned. That's when it comes down to it, it's really just those two. There's, you know, the third is kind of like, you know, they failed you in some way already, which would sure. be not meeting your need, meeting your needs. Um, but that's, that's really what it comes down to. But to see that that's not just me saying it and that, you know, this large, you know, sample size saying basically the same thing says, says a lot. Well, from a, a partner perspective, a sales motion perspective, you know, I'll, I'll piggyback on Jason's fishing analogy, you know, the fish are biting, right? I mean, this is a target rich environment. It, it used to be popular to say no one switches back at products. That was never actually true, by the way. Obviously, uh, Veeam is now number one again in market share globally. And I can remember when Veeam was number seven going back a number of years. So obviously, people really do switch. But to your point, Eric, they're saying they're frustrated. Market share shows that people are willing to do something different. And if you're a partner, this is a capability that has always been important, but now it's not a rainy day event, meaning because of cyber, it's something that you really have to go address. It could quite literally be a board level kind of a conversation. So it 
it may not be the most exciting thing in the world. I mean, Jason and I happen to think it's pretty neat, but look, we've all lost data in our personal lives. We know what that's like, yeah. you know, and we know from a company, a viability perspective, if you're without data for a significant period of time, your entire organization is at risk to continue. Yes. For all the sellers that are out there, the thing that you want to think about is not only are more than half of all organizations saying they're likely um, or or committed to changing backup solutions, they have budget to do it, right? So um, so on average, um, uh, uh, average investment in backup overall uh, is up like, Dave, six and a half percent or something like that annually um, over what it was this time last year. And that's compared with IDC and Gartner say overall IT spend is somewhere around 4% up. So they're spending more on backup than they are on IT. And IT is spending more year over year than it was. By the way, 85% of the respondents in the survey said they plan on increasing their investment in backup in 2023. So again, the fish are biting. Yeah. Um, Yeah. They and have they're telling you they're biting. They're sitting there saying, I'm hungry. Yes. Yeah. They're standing <laughs> at the top waiting for you to drop a hook. Would someone yeah. please drop a hook with something tasty on it, please? Yeah. Yeah. That's, and, and it's interesting um, because I've also noticed with talking with, with partners that the conversation is shifting from talking to the data center operations people about backup. It's becoming a, a CISO suite. Uh, conversation, a security conversation, which I think is also might have something to do with why the, that budget's increasing because I think it's shifting <laughs> budget buckets. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, security's hot right now. You know, we know that. Uh, we're very careful at Beam to say we are, you know, unapologetically a backup company. We're not trying to purport to be a security company. However, reliable, rapid recovery is a significant component of any security uh, response plan. I mean, cyber right. resiliency comes down to what are you going to do when things go badly? That's not being pessimistic. That's being realistic. That's being Mm -hmm. responsible. And when push comes to shove, it could very well be that your get well plan is go recover clean data, restore as fast as you can. And that just happens to be Ravine itself. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, and that's what I'm hearing more and more is people are assuming they have to recover everything. And then it's it's the where they're recovering that's becoming the big conversation too. And I, that's something I thought was interesting too. It's like a lot of people, it wasn't a lot, of, it didn't look like there's a lot of trend to move production data cloud-based, but recovery is all about the cloud. It looks like, and it's going to be for the next few years. Yeah, so some of the things, and again, this kind of goes into why is this research, research that we do to practically understand you know, what to build as well as, you know, how to deliver it to market. But one of the things that, and and the fun part is when you ask the same questions year over year, you get to measure trajectory, right? Mm -hmm. What is the, what is, how quickly are organizations trying to move that direction? So as far as the 2023 data, um, uh, exciting to see that nearly half of all organizations plan for their DR to be cloud hosted, right? Now at Veeam, we love dual data centers, you want to you want to protect East Coast to West Coast. You want to protect you know North America to Latin America. That's fantastic, and we've got some amazing solutions that are built for that. But mid-sized organizations don't have multiple data centers, right? You know, True. commercial orgs don't have multiple data centers, and so for all those organizations that just want to pay for that secondary site when they need it, recovering to a cloud um, is becoming more and more desirable. 
Pair that with even those organizations that expect to recover back on prem after a disaster, fire, flood, cyber, whatever. Mm -hmm. The majority of them, the data that they'll use for their recovery is still cloud hosted. Yes. So it's like 83% of where the data is going to come from after disaster is going to come from a cloud. And in 47% of the time, they're just going to light it up. Right. I've got this coffee mug you can't see because we're not running cameras today, but I've got a <laughs> mug that says, why Baz when you can dress? I mean, it's cool that you can suck the data back down to wherever you want it. Yeah. I'd much rather just light it up and get back to work. Well, that's what it's really all about. And that's that's the way that I every conversation I have, be it at a, a customer facing event or a partner, is it's it's all about the recovery mm-hmm. and it's the recovery speed. Um, and that's because everybody's doing backup now. I always talk about backup is table stakes. You know, everybody can hit check the same boxes for what they can back up. Maybe the methodologies differ. Okay. But it's all about recovery and recovery speed and recovery consistency. And that's that's where you have to spend your time and your focus. And that's I, I think a lot of times also where when we talk about those change of products, that's where people are finding, you know, the lacking and have to make those changes. And yeah, I mean, if you go back in time, right, what was the big thing? It was how do I shrink the backup window? And what that was really a reflection of was, well, I back up all the time. Every night, I experienced the pain of trying to back up in this finite amount of time. But now we've the script is flipped, to your point, Eric. I mean, now it's like, okay, obviously, you can't restore what you haven't backed up. But the business is expecting us to get back quickly, either because you know process went down. I mean, that's the, the interesting little thing here is all the things we worried about in terms of outages – they still happen. Right. I mean, it doesn't matter that you have redundant power supplies and higher quality mean time to failure components. You still have networking issues. Hard disks mm-hmm. still fail. You know, all this stuff happens and then you add cyber on top of it. So yeah. now it really is about time to first bite. And oh, by the way, Veeam pioneered instant recovery over 12 years ago and we've been perfecting it ever since. So the goal that we aspire to is exactly what Jason said. We want it to be a resume not a recover, right? Time to first bite is not gated by time to last bite of moving everything back and then accessing it. And by the way, we can stream that from the cloud. Yep. And it's also not only about, you know, if you do want to move it back on prem, but you said lighting it up. I mean, I I wonder how many, how many customers do their recovery in the cloud and they realize, you know what, we could just work from here and never move back. Yes. That's right. Yes. You know, Dave mentioned earlier how, you know, it used to be about shrinking the backup window, and that's because backup was the only verb that was on the menu, right? And so Mm. what we did for several years in shrinking that window as an industry, not just Veeam, but it wasn't just about backup, right? So if you really want to light up a copy um, for disaster recovery, that's a replica. That's replication. It's not backup. Yes. Um, if you really want to revert something that happened just a few seconds ago and you just got to get back to a known good state, that's a snapshot, not a backup. Yep. Right. If you happen to have a workload, which is kind of a pet peeve of mine, but if you happen to have a workload that does not have its own replication technology built in at a transaction level, and yet you need sub-minute times, then for the few single percentage of, of workloads that do that, you need continuous data protection, CDP. Yep. The trick is one is not a gold standard that usurps the others. It's around using the right mechanisms for the right purposes and then making sure that as for speed of recovery, can you leverage any and all of them based on the needs of the workload, not based on the needs of your marketing department. And so I love the fact that our evolution has gone to where all of those are valid ways to protect data 
And now all we really have to focus on is how do we leverage the best copy according to whatever kind of crisis you have to get back up and running again as quickly as possible. Yeah, I think it makes the conversation easier because now you're talking, it's like we're, we're going to assume that one of the all these ways we have can back yes. up your data. Now let's talk about what do you need for recovery? What are your ideas? I always joke when I'm, when I'm with partners, they're like, you know, what, so what do we need to have down to, you know, one minute or less RTL? Everything already costs this much. Okay. Only those two servers. Uh, <laughs> okay. Cause they realize, you know, there is a, there is a dollars to RTO sure. ratio there. Um, so that's why so many different ver ways exist. And that's something that that's where the partners really make their money is putting together those plans and, and doing something that a lot, especially in the, the mid level and, and down enterprises better at it. I say they're better at it. They have more meetings about it. I don't know if they're better, but better at it. Prioritizing their workloads. Um, you know, because, well, first off, every owner of every workload thinks theirs is the most important. So that has to be backed up and recovered. You know, those RTOs are sub minute no matter what. Same with the RPOs. Right. Um, but it just partners have the opportunity to headman that. And yes, we have great tools that can help with it, but there's still so much human factor in all of that planning. So I got to give a huge lift out to the partners on this one, because this is really where value add and expertise comes into play, right? So when we talk about disaster recovery, what, what Veeam technologies actually do is they make copies of your stuff in alternate locations so that you could bring them back up if you needed to. Disaster recovery happens because of expertise, not because of zeros and ones and not because of the fact that we move the data around. And so that expertise that comes from the partner who can, you know, boots on the ground or consulting that can say, let's understand what the most critical processes are. What are, what IT systems are they dependent on? How do I rehome that on the other side? How do I document what the plan's going to be? Because some folks aren't going to be there. All of those things are expertise powered. And by the way, a huge differentiator, um, even from one arguable Veeam partner to another, as well as, you know, Veeam partner versus um, a substandard competitor. But that expertise, uh, no one gets BCDR without it. Truth. Absolute truth. And that's that's why I love our partner community, because they take we can build these products all day, but without their expertise and their capabilities, it's just shelfware. Yeah, 100 percent agree on that. I mean, Veeam is you know unique in my from my perspective. I'm getting ready to jump on a plane, but quite literally, my Lenovo laptop is running the same image of Veeam that a major bank is protecting 20,000 servers and eight petabytes of data with one instance a Veeam backup and replication. But what obviously they have better infrastructure, but that's the power of being software defined. To Jason's yep. point, that's the power of having a good plan, good policy, knowing how to use the tool correctly, right? Yeah, that's absolute truth. So as we wrap here, I'm going to ask you one question about the um, data that's in the report. What was for each of you some trends in there that surprised you that you didn't expect to see? Was there anything that came in there that was like, huh, didn't see things go in that direction? I've got an obtuse answer. I'll let Jason give the general stream answer. <laughs> you know, the fun part about watching this stuff year over year is, is that you're less surprised um, year over year. Okay. Um, I think the, I think the one thing was called a happy surprise as opposed to a didn't understand surprise. Um, but I'm happily surprised at seeing how aggressively year over year um, uh, Draz is really seeing lift, uh, mm -hmm. right? So, I mean, you mentioned before enterprises do it better. Well, enterprises do it better because they had paid staff. 
Um, they had experts, right? So when you have a crisis, you know, Clark Kent is walking around on the floor and you have a bad day, he steps into a closet and all of a sudden Superman is solving your problems for you. Yeah. Mid-sized organizations don't have Clark Kent. They're lucky if they got Jimmy Olsen, right? <laughs> and so, to, so when you pair, I now have survivable data and I got Clark Kent on speed dial, right? Yeah. Um, all of a sudden, good things happen for small companies, um, and I love that. So I'm happily surprised at how quickly that um, is is changing the conversation. And frankly, it's even forcing Veeam to accelerate some of our tool sets to make sure that um, that the range of partners can deliver that breadth of services with enterprise equitability, um, but on on mid sized scale. So, yeah, I love I love that democratization answer. Yeah. The- I have a recency bias because I did a, a stream earlier today entitled Containers Aren't Near, They're Here. And I think from partner perspective, there's an opportunity not to just fix what's broken, meaning what people are complaining about in the data center. There's not only an opportunity to do that and recognize that there's more cloud-based workloads, but something like containers in, in particular were being, you know, three years ago made an investment to go acquire best of breed technology cast and when i look at what we got back from almost 2100 organizations globally and their plans for containers eric only one percent out of 2100 <laughs> said that they have no plans to run containers 52 percent said that they already have some container technology in production and 40 percent said, well, we're not in production yet, but we plan to have deployments. So that's 92% that are in production or planning to be in production. From a partner perspective, I think it's really good to understand what's the on-premises dissatisfaction, to understand things like you know, SaaS needs protection, whether that's M365, Salesforce, but to get ahead of the next wave, which is containers really are here. You know, the traditional infrastructure operations teams, they tend to think, yeah, probably in about two years, I need to protect containers. You could talk to the app dev team and they're like, yeah, we've been in production for two years, yeah. right? So there's yeah. this gap that's just ripe for the partners to come in and say, we can solve that better. I, I technically agree. was surprised by that, but I knew that was going to be Dave's favorite. So <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my favorites too. I've spent a lot of time with our cast and team over the past several months. And the, the reaction we're getting at the partners that we sit in to the capabilities that we have has been refreshing um, because the, the partners are excited about it, which means they're hearing it out in the field. So again, it only reinforces what you guys are, are telling us. So it's I, I think that that is a great new um, greenfield opportunity that is, like you said, it's here more. And even if planning to go to production, I can tell you stories about places that called us back after saying, yeah, we'll, we'll contact you when we go to production that asked us to cover uh, their dev environments because they lost data mm-hmm. and having to regenerate that data to do development and QA cost them time and money. That was cheaper to cover the, to protect it. And why not work in the protection plan while you're dev- designing the applications? Right. Jason's you know, got a great saying on that. Tell him you're saying. <laughs> when, it, when you modernize production, you have to modernize protection, right? It needs to be part of that built-in strategy. By the way, Dave has stories from way back when, you know, that, you know, 15 years ago, the reason that Veeam became as successful as we were is because people were saying, hey, my VMs went offline. And the backup team said, what VMs? Right? Because they're <laughs> yeah, running hosts underneath, yeah. their, underneath their desks. Um, five years ago, 
um, folks were saying, hey, I've lost all my email. Well, I back up the servers. All right. Oh, no, no, no. Our department moved over to 365 about a m- month ago. Um, you're yeah. not backing that up, right? Same trend, right? Yep. The rule has to be when you modernize production, you have to modernize protection. Yeah, I love we, that. And I expect full circle with that. Yeah. I mean, it goes back to best practices or best practices, right? And that's yes. what we try to do at Veeam is, is really understand what the market issues are. And it's everything's an and, right? I mean, no one's turning off the data center. No one's off of physical environments 100%, very few anyway. No one's 100% cloud, right? So we're adding all of these things. And that's to Jason's point earlier, that's the environment keeps expanding and getting more challenging. But our mission at Veeam is to provide the right kind of tools so our partners can go and, and be the heroes, right? They can go save the data be, that almost assuredly for one reason or another, or maybe it's accidental, maybe it's malicious, but people are going to suffer data loss and we're here to try to help them out of it. Speaking of tools. So Dave, when, when, when you were talking about, I think you were talking about the technologies involved. I'm going to offer that one of the tools that we hope that we're providing for the partners is data like this. If you haven't already, go out to the Veeam Pro Partner Portal, go to VeeamIQ, because what Dave and I do with all of this research is we record what we call learning nuggets, which are four-minute videos. Four minutes on a data point here, four minutes on a data point there. Um, you know, just if you got four minutes between two meetings, we're going to try to either inform you or entertain you or both. But Four minutes gives you something fresh to say. Dave, you have a phrase about this. You owe it. Yeah, I always like to say you owe it to yourself to get educated, right? You know, I mean, and this isn't just me and Jason. This is the market speaking. It is the largest market survey ever. The market is saying what their wants are. They're saying what their pain points are. So you owe it to yourself to go listen, to go get educated and to be able to offer more value. And we're going to do our part at Beam to try to help you do that. Well, that's great. If you don't have four minutes to get better educated about something that you're trying to educate a customer on, um, you, you need to reschedule your day a little bit. But I, I, that's And that's great. I, our, our buddy Joe Monahan likes to call those chunklets. And uh, so it, we, we, we operate with a lot of the content we create in the chunklet mentality so that those four minute videos are perfect. Something you can listen to on your way out the door or on your phone as you're driving, things like that to the meeting. As long as you have something, if you learn one thing out of something like that to be able to share, it's one more thing that maybe, you know, the competition is not sharing. So keep right. that in mind as you're selling. Yeah. Amen. So gentlemen, I really appreciate you taking the time out today. I know you're very busy. Like you said, I'm, I'm Dave, I'm holding you from uh, getting to a flight right now. Um, maybe that's for the best. I know I just love air travel myself. <laughs> um, but, but I uh, I thank you guys for doing this. Well, I, will we see you both at Vmon in May? Yeah, definitely. And, and, you know, actually, Jason, do a little tease. We're going to release some new research at Vmon. Yeah, you know, I, I maybe someday Eric will let us come back on the show again because uh, on day one, of Vmon, um, we released the latest edition of the Ransomware Trends uh, 2023 results. So this is, and this was a fun project. This was 1,200 organizations, all of whom suffered at least one successful ransomware wow. attack. Uh, not again, you know. Now you know how we get anonymous data, right? Yeah. So not, being, not being customers, but 1,200, and of them, 
we actually persona qualified. So there are CISOs represented, sec security professionals represented, IT ops, and backup admins. And looking at all four personas that are involved in either prevention or remediation, and, and then lessons learned from 1,200 victims. And then how do we then help other folks not make the same mistakes? So that will debut on day one of Vimon, and it's going to be a big topic. Dave and I'll be talking about all that. Well, oh, that's exciting. I'm marking my calendar. I'll, I'll be there working the hands-on labs. I may have to sneak away for that one. And I'll also be bringing my microphone. So if you want to stop by and share a little info afterwards, yeah. I can do some on-location uh, recording as well. So we'll have to, uh, we'll have to keep in touch because definitely, you guys, I want to have you back on. This is, uh, this is stuff that talks directly to how the partners can better compete in the you know the sales landscape out there so i really appreciate you sharing this and adding your insight so to get the report you can go out to veeam.com i think it's actually i think there's a, a, a shortened link for it i'll make sure wherever i post it's it short, I put the shortcut link it's vee dot am slash d p r 23 data protection report 23 that couldn't be easy enough so that's that's perfect. So go there, please. I, I encourage everyone who is doing anything uh, sales related at the partners to take a look at that. And even if you're if you're in, in implementation, any of it has valid information for you. I found it fascinating and I think you will too. So gentlemen, thank you again. And uh, I hope to have you on soon and I will see you in Florida. Hey, well, thanks for having us, Eric. And thanks everyone for listening. Bye y'all. This has been Veeam Partner Perspectives with Eric Doherty. Thank you for listening.